Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Human Ordinary Podcast. True stories about our culture, our relationships, and how amazing it is to be ordinary. This time on the show, An Extraordinary Thing, Part 3. In Part 1 of this series, I watched a cow being slaughtered. In Part 2, I spoke with some friends about what they eat and why. Now, in Part 3, I'm interested in exploring two significant factors relating to meat eating, the health and environmental impacts. So, I sought out a couple of experts who might be able to help me answer some questions. Through a friend, I got introduced to a guy named Jad. Jad Patrick, I am a qualified naturopath. He works a lot with people who have digestive problems. I do a lot of work with vegan and vegetarian diets and making sure that they're nutritionally adequate. Jad eats meat as part of a balanced diet and he is often changing what he eats in line with the latest research and evidence. He'll be my health expert. And then I got to Googling to learn more about the environmental impacts of the meat industry. I found an informative article on the website for Animal Liberation Victoria, an animal rights collective based in Melbourne. The article was written by Dr. Tamazin Ramsey. Yeah, I'm an environmental anthropologist. Tamazin is a vegan and hasn't touched meat for close to 30 years. She'll be my environment expert. Now, although we are a carnivorous society... Meat-eating does seem to get a bit of a bad rap. Links to cancer and heart disease and lower life expectancy. But according to Jad, many of the studies and evidence that link meat-eating with poor health outcomes include processed foods in their categorisation of meat. So it could be that the other things in the meat are causing the tendency towards these conditions. It could be as well that red meat intake might also correlate with other health behaviours such as increased refined carbohydrate consumption or um, tendency to smoke or lack of exercise or whatever the case may be. Jad also says that there are cultures the Inuit and the Maasai in Africa and various hunter-gatherer groups which have high rates of meat consumption but nevertheless enjoy better health outcomes than we do. Same with our ancestors. You probably wouldn't speak to any evolutionary anthropologist that would argue that we, we were vegan in our, in our recent past, so in the last sort of two million years, I guess. Meat definitely played a role in our diet, as did the percentage of that role. It's, that's debatable. Jad says our diets have changed dramatically in the last 200 years or so, which is reflected in the worsening health outcomes. But even if unprocessed meat isn't as bad as it's cracked up to be, it doesn't mean that we should fill every meal with a double serve of ribeye with a scotch fillet side and gravy chaser. In fact, when pressed, Jad will admit non-meat eaters are generally healthier. You could say that on the whole vegetarians and vegans do fare better. They tend to have um, slightly longer lifespans and reduce risk of certain cancers and reduce risk of cardiovascular disease. My perspective would be 
that whenever people are living off a whole food based diet that's closer to how foods are found in in nature or you know direct from the farm or direct from the wild they tend to be a lot healthier than population groups who are very settled um, living a more sedentary lifestyle and eating more processed food I think the processed heavily processed food I should say that we're eating in the West is universally associated with with disease whether you are vegan vegetarian a meat eater um, or whatever according to Jad with the exception of B12 long chain omega-3s and vitamin A a vegetarian or vegan diet should be able to provide the necessary nutrients for optimal health. Whether you'll get them in optimal amounts for the best health you can be in is, is debatable. And in order to get these optimal levels, a vegetarian or vegan will have to eat a lot of plant-based foods to get what meat eaters get from comparatively smaller serves. Like with protein, which is used to maintain strong bones, muscles, and overall body integrity. You need possibly a minimum of 60 grams per day in your diet. An optimal amount would maybe be 100 to 120 grams a day, depending on your activity levels, your size, your sex, etc. So for example, a 125 gram steak, which is you know, a smallish size steak, will give you about 40 grams of protein. So it packs a, a, a good amount of protein into a small serve. To get it out of um, vegan or vegetarian sources, an equivalent, you know, 100 gram serve of tofu is only going to give you about 13 grams of protein. A cup of lentils will give you about 11 grams. So you do need to eat a bit more and a bit uh, higher volume of food. Iron, which we need to transport oxygen around the body and is abundant in red meat. We need about 8 to 16 milligrams a day. A typical serve of red meat, say about 120 grams, will give you between 4 to 6 milligrams of easily absorbed iron. Um, a cup of lentils, you know, a full cup of cooked lentils will give you about 3.6 milligrams of iron. Spinach is often known as a big source of iron, you know, Popeye seedy spinach, but it's not quite as well absorbed. You can improve the absorption of iron um, in vegan and vegetarian sources by having it with something rich in vitamin C, so having it with a salad with some tomato or a glass of orange juice, but it still is not quite as well absorbed as a form of red meat. Vitamin B12, needed for blood production, is almost impossible to get from vegan sources. I read some people suggesting, oh, if you're eating raw organic food because of the manure on the fruits and vegetables, the bacteria that are on there then can give you some B B12. Yeah, you heard that right. Jad just said that some people advise eating shit-coated food in order to get the B12. Um, it's better to get that from a supplement or even just to eat eggs. One egg will give you about 10 micrograms, your daily requirements two. So it's pretty easy to get it if you're eating some eggs in the diet. Then there's the long-chain omega-3s. These can help reduce inflammation and aid in the prevention of cardiovascular disease but they're only found in fish and some grass-fed beef. Uh, plants have some of the shorter chain um, omega-3s, but our body needs to convert them. Finally, there's zinc. Zinc's needed for hormone production and almost every enzyme reaction in the body. It's a very important nutrient for growth and immunity. We need about 12 milligrams of zinc a day. Steak will give you about seven and a half milligrams. A serve of oysters, six oysters will give you about 33 milligrams, so they're very, very high. If you're going for a vegan or vegetarian source, pumpkin seeds, about 50, milli uh, 50 grams will give you around three milligrams of zinc. It's interesting uh, all this talk about our body's necessary nutrients and that they're so available in animal flesh. I mean, if you take the view that evolution knew what it was doing, then the fact that our bodies need iron and B12 and zinc and long-chain omega-3s, and that the easiest way to get these is through eating meat, 
then this kind of suggests that meat played a role in our ancestors' diet. Quite possibly played a huge role at certain parts in our evolution, particularly when we, the cultural sort of explosion where our brains got bigger and we started behaving as modern day humans as opposed to apes, I guess. So, plus our cultural sort of practices, you know, we were inventing things like spears and bow and arrows long before we invented plows and whatever and shovels. So, I think. I was finding Jad's expertise really helpful and validating. Having come to terms with the ethics of eating animals, it's good to know people can still do so without causing themselves too much of a mischief. Provided they're eating ample vegetables in the diet, fibre in the diet. Of course. So I think the, the take-home message is that, you know, eat food in close to its natural state as possible, get a diverse range of foods in your diet, um, and look at also all the other factors in your lifestyle that might be impacting on, on your health. And his best advice is that we diversify the types of meat that we're eating. If you try some organ meat, things like liver and heart and whatever, certainly meat that has been fed on grass its whole life tends to be nutritionally superior to ones that, to ones that have been fattened on grain. And wild meats as well tend to be um, nutritionally superior. So, so go get some hunted meat into you if you can. And when you do, it's not the best idea to just go whacking it on the barbie. Basically, when things get caramelised or browned or um, yeah, char-grilled or whatever, the proteins and fats and sugars seem to react in a way that, one, gives the meat really tasty flavour, but these, these compounds also are linked to um, inflammation in the body, which can be a precursor then to cardiovascular disease and diabetes. So I sometimes wonder if maybe it's the way we're cooking our meat as well that is impacting on uh, some of the negative um, health effects that are attributed to red meat consumption. And the other thing would be add lots of herbs and spices to the meat. That seems to reduce the formation of a lot of these harmful compounds on, on the meat itself. Thinking about all Jad's tips, it's easy to see how often people get it wrong. We ignore or don't seek out the right advice for how we should be eating and just do what our taste buds demand of us. Then we scratch our heads when cholesterol levels get too high or we start dropping off from heart disease and cancer. Judging by the food and restaurants that are popular, our society seems to be addicted to sugar. We like barbecue so much because it caramelizes the meat and we crave that. We love lollies. We love ice cream. We love bacon double cheeseburger deluxes with a massive side of fries and a Coke. Or maybe that's just me. Most of all though, I think we love not giving a shit. We're so hedonistic that we just want what we want. And most of the time, what we want is greasy, fried, meaty nonsense. I don't think becoming a vegetarian would help us either, at least not health-wise. We'd probably still just get a pizza or the veggie option for McDonald's. What we need is a complete change in our approach to our diet. We've got to eat more veggies and grains and legumes and unprocessed food. We've got to not dump so many additives on what we eat and make more of our own stuff at home. Next time you've got to add a sauce or a stock to your recipe, look up how to make them yourself. Most of the time they'll be pretty easy to do and it'll be heaps better for you. Before I said goodbye to Jad, I was interested in finding out what he thought of the ethics of it all. He used to be a vegan, but has since returned to the life of a carnivore. And I still, I still grapple with it actually, but still sometimes I'll be reading through... Um you know, some vegan environmental or ethical arguments. I'm like, actually, that does sort of seem sensible, and then I'll shift back the other way. Yeah, but, you know, th this still occurs. So I'm also aware that our society is obsessed with food at the moment. You know, religion and philosophy has sort of left our lifestyles, and, and that's become the new way we can 
kind of focus on living a good life is through our, con through our consumption, we can become a bit obsessed about it. And I do see that in a lot of clients as well. You know, this unnecessary or excessive worry about what we're eating, I think has reached a problem level in our, in our culture. On the one hand, it's great that people are paying attention to these things, but whenever that happens, there's also this, you know, extra push where people get a little bit obsessed and overly worried and it's like well there's all sorts of things in your life that you can make a difference from the political level to the individual level to the social level and, and it's, I think we like simple solutions and if I just go vegan and all the world you know there'll be more food to feed the world's population and there's less animal suffering and there's you know better environment for the world and blah 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 I think that can be it can be a bit simplistic. Like I think there's valid arguments towards it, but it's also always more nuanced than, than how it's sometimes presented by people with a, you know, philosophical agenda to, to push that particular perspective. With a beginner's grasp of the benefits and detriments of meat eating, I ventured down to South Melbourne to meet with Dr. Tamazin Ramsey. She's an environmental anthropologist, although this wasn't always so. I have a background in the arts. Tamazin worked as an actress in the 80s and 90s, but then left the industry. I was an ambo and through that I got into anthropology, but I've always been interested in the connection between who we are as humans and the environment in which we live, whether it's our own bodies, the, the natural world or even the built world and how, how that relationship is affecting the world at large in our own individual lives. I got straight into chatting about what she knew about how my meat eating impacted the environment. Birthing. Okay, there's inseminating, then there's uh, birthing and rearing and feeding and housing and watering and taking care of and kind of veterinary issues and then there's the killing, packaging, processing and transport. That's an awful lot of processing for a piece of cow muscle, or what we call steak. Comparatively, vegetables and legumes and grains require far fewer steps to make their way to your plate. So there's so many more processes involved in the production of animals for food that it's inherently carbon intensive. Tamazin so says that Australia's animal agricultural industry contributes about 45% of our total greenhouse gas emissions including carbon dioxide and methane, which both contribute to global warming. This in turn harms the oceans, as most of the gas is absorbed by the water, changing its chemistry and making them more acidic. Locally, animal grazing is causing damage to the Great Barrier Reef. What happens is farmed animals create sediment, waste and runoff. This flows into catchment areas along the Queensland coast, which then flow out into the sea. The runoff contains harmful pesticides and waste from animal agriculture that reduces the reef's coral and animal diversity. We've also cleared approximately 9% of Australia's total landmass for livestock. That's like the size of South Australia. Then there's the water usage. The majority of our water use again goes into killing, raising, rearing, packaging, slaughtering, transporting animals for food. Yeah and people are going hungry, mm. and they don't have water, and they don't have food. Mm. It's all going into the animals. A friend of mine posted on Facebook recently. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. A picture listing all the ways you could save 5,000 litres of water. You could either not flush your toilet for six months, not shower for three months, or not eat a burger for one day. We go on about water usage in relation to washing our cars or our gardens or our clothes. At home, I'm sometimes encouraged to take shorter showers, but no one ever mentions not eating meat. I remember, I remember that time of four-minute showers, and I was a vegetarian then, but I didn't know about water use back then. I've checked other sources, and this 5,000-litre figure appears to be pretty accurate for the United States. But in Australia, we tend to use less water to grow the feed that cows live off. They spend more time grazing and thus less irrigated water is needed. But a 2010 study found that it still takes around 500 litres to produce one kilogram of beef. And that's still a pretty big deal. If you're going to eat meat, you may as well just, just turn the shower on, leave it on. Forget recycling. It's, it's pennies. Forget it. Just live your life, have a happy time. Just do what you want, because if you're a meat eater, then you're having the worst impact that you can anyway on the environment. And any other steps you do, even though they may ease your one's own conscience, may as well forget it, mm. really. I wondered whether there were any animal farming methods that had a comparable impact on the environment that vegetables did. Was there a way to reduce the land degradation, the carbon footprint and the water use, so that beef had no bigger impact than broccoli? I turned the question over to Tamazin, but as she searched for the words and ideas and facts and figures to provide me with what I wanted, I could see that something else was on her mind. Often as a kind of animal rights activist or a vegan, or you feel you're on the back foot and you have to, you have to defend a position of non-violence and that's all it is, is that you just want, um, just like you and I wish to live mm. and have a family and be free and you want to look after your daughter. Mm that all beings have that right. And what you're doing is fantastic, but, but when you ask questions, which is, which is a normal thing to do, it's, it's almost like we have to justify the stance of non-violence. Like the yardstick by which we measure everything is violence and exploitation. Like that's normal, we consider that normal. And if you don't want to harm, and if you don't want to kill, and if you don't want to rape and exploit, then you have to justify it. I could understand where Tamazin was coming from. When I was interviewing my friends about what they ate, the vegetarians were the ones who had some kind of origin story or reflections on being an outsider. Okay, if you, if you look at nature, I look at nature as uh, wiser than any of us. We're more cognitively intelligent, but we don't see as well, we don't hear as well, we don't feel as well, we don't sense as well as many other species. They surpass us in so many ways. And the animals just want to live. They want to live, and from what I can tell, they surely they have a right to live out their lives according to their species. Who decided? Eating meat is normalised, and Tamazin, like me, chooses to acknowledge that meat comes from animals which must be killed. We don't shy away from that fact, but I guess our response to that is quite different. 
We can't create a happy world when the very foundation of our lives, three times a day, we participate in a process of, of slaughter. But it's hidden. Slaughterhouses are, they're out there. There's a big buffer zone. They're soundproof. They're, the most you see is kind of, is trucks. And, you know, you stick a cartoon picture on, the, on a carton of milk and everything's taken care of. And those images are fed to us slowly over a lifetime. When we, when we do um, video outreach in the city and show, um, show A Thousand Eyes, it's a four minute video on standard farming practices in Australia. And people say, but this must be the Middle East. We say, no, it's like, you know, Laverton, 20 minutes down the road. And so people don't want to believe it. And when, when it's put in front of them, they have, um, they're so impacted by it because a lot of it's hidden from the consumer. It's purposely hidden. Mm. And we're manipulated through advertising because the only way you can get people to do something they wouldn't normally do is to tell them a story about it. So then people come up with all kinds of justifications. And It's like everyone needs to be taught media literacy around the meat industry. Words like ethical and humane mask a bloody truth. And they fool people into accepting their actions as good and just. I'm not saying such actions are necessarily bad. I'm not sure whether they're either good or bad. But attaching a euphemistic adjective to them doesn't change what they are. To talk about sustainable meat production, it's, it's another way to create a new market to enable human beings to do what they would never otherwise normally do. When, when the market starts suffering, when, when the industry starts taking a hit, they think, well, people now know about animal welfare, animal rights, so we have to create a new market to make people feel okay with what they're doing. To Tamazin, there is a connection between our treatment of animals and our treatment of humans. If we willfully and happily engage in a system of animal slaughter, this will transfer over into the way we view and treat people. So, unless we address the foundation of the problem, which is the normalisation of suffering that enables us to put certain products in our bodies and live off the suffering of others, we're going to continue to perpetuate suffering in the world. We're going to continue to say, well, you can live and you can die and you're a woman so I'll exploit you and you're a man so I can kill you and you're a dog so I can love you and you're a cow so I can kill you. You know, humans are the greatest predator on the earth. Tamazin is pretty clear about what we should be doing to animals. If we just leave them alone, if we just stop killing, if we just leave, let beings be, let, let birds be, let cows, pigs and chickens, just leave them alone. Just, we don't kill dogs. <laughs> we cherish dogs. Can we not cherish other beings if we if we cherish all beings then we're going to have a different world i feel like this whole thing comes from the fact that we're disconnected from our own mind you know we're disconnected from our own spirit our own body we we live in we live in our heads and we're often not really present with what we're doing with who we are with with the person that we're with and um and we're just kind of all going along we're all we're all going along, trying to make ends meet, and we're just going along. If we stop to actually just sit, and this sounds a bit Buddhisty, it's not, it's not meant to, I'm not particularly a Buddhist. If we just sit down and be aware that we're sitting down, feel the life in my own body, feel the breath in my own body, feel this spiritual energy of what it means to be alive. What does it mean for me to be alive, to sit here? To, I mean, it's, 
extraordinary thing for me to sit here opposite you to look into the eyes of another being who's querying life and to be able to share that experience with you is an, is an extraordinary thing. I mean, thinking about it, I'm quite moved by it. And we think it's a normal nothing thing, but it, it's a, it, there's something sacred about it, about us sharing our lives together at this moment. And I feel if we, if we reawaken that in us, then naturally we're not going to feed our bodies with the results of exploitation so much. We just won't want to go there. Um, I think sometimes we're trying to dig out this tree of horribleness by cutting off the branches. We're not getting to the root of things. The root of things, I think, has to... And, of course, it's also good to cut off the branches as well. I'm not saying we shouldn't do any of those things. Um, but I think we have to take a, a multifaceted approach. And, the, and one of the first steps is to reawaken in us the the sacredness within us the appreciation of our own life gratitude for my own body these arms and legs and lungs and heart that's keeping me upright it's keeping me speaking I can hear you I can feel you I can look at you and this is all because my body is doing that for me my body is giving me the experience of life and we treat it like it's nothing we, we treat everything like that so I just... I'm not a spiritual person but I do agree with her here. The fact that we're alive is actually fantastically improbable. Evolution is a convoluted clusterfuck of random possibilities, and the fact that any species exists at all is an extraordinary thing. But often we seem too preoccupied with the latest smartphone, or what Kimye or Brangelina are doing to actually sit back and appreciate that. We throw chemicals into our bodies without a thought for how we're polluting ourselves. And we engage in practices that erode whatever soul or soul proxy you think we have. And while I don't agree with a lot of her views, and I don't think I have the conviction to live her life, I admire that Tamazin recognises these things and has the strength and courage to live by her beliefs. As my little exploration of my meat-eating rounds up, I feel it's almost a shame I haven't been more moved by it. Starting work on this series, I thought that a key part of my being would be challenged and confronted, compelling me to change my lifestyle. I am going to seriously look at changing my diet so it's a bit more healthy, and the environmental impacts of the meat industry do give me absolute cause for pause. But other than that, I won't be changing much about the way I live my life. And because of this, I feel a little guilty. I mean, obviously to all the cows out there who I know would much prefer to live than to be in my belly, but also strangely to Tamazin. It's like I know in a way that I'm doing the wrong thing, and Tamazin is like my conscience, the good side of me, that I'm choosing to willfully dismiss. I know that there are questionable and downright awful practices in the meat industry that I'm supporting with my choices, but I'm feeling conflicted between this understanding and how good a hamburger tastes. In a way, I know that it would be better if I didn't eat meat. I know that my dietary choices don't result in any significant net benefit to the world. Only losses, but I'm choosing not to care. I'm not ignoring the truth. I accept it all. I'm just choosing to prioritise my own hedonism over the health of the planet and the life of the cow. This realisation points to another truth that I must accept. 
I am a self-serving asshat. An asshat who is quite comfortable using animals for my own ends. An asshat who is antipathetic to cows being subjected to maltreatment in the meat and dairy industry. An asshat that is content to favour the satiation of my appetite over the right of a cow to live. Presented with all the information and arguments like I have, I think we're left with two options. Care and change our ways, or do nothing and accept that we don't give a rat's ass. I don't think you can have both. So here I am, accepting that unless I completely change my ways, my choices will never be about what's best for animals, or the environment, or even my health, but rather only what's best for me, five minutes in the future. Ultimately, it's not about anything or anyone else. It's about me. It's always been about me. And unfortunately that, I think, makes me a painfully ordinary human. This episode would not have been possible without the knowledge and generosity of Jad Patrick and Dr. Tamazin Ramsey. My thanks to them for their time and patience. If you're interested in seeking out Jad's expertise, he practices at Merge Health in Surrey Hills, Melbourne. Check them out at mergehealth.com.au. You can also like Jad's Facebook page where he posts research findings, recipe ideas and health advice. Find it at facebook.com slash jadpatricknaturaltherapies. Dr. Tamazin Ramsey is a Melbourne-based environmental anthropologist and activist. The information used in this episode was compiled by her and can be found on the Animal Liberation Victoria website. Go to alv.org.au slash articles slash Earth's Biggest Threat. I really recommend having a look and educating yourself about what's happening in the industry. Thanks also to Kristen Lee at Animal Liberation Victoria for kindly putting me in touch with Dr. Ramsey. If you're also interested in making better choices about your meat purchases, I first urge you to please consider Tamazin's words about sustainable meat production. If you're not sold on her way of thinking, then please check out the website sustainabletable.org.au for information, ideas and suppliers. I'll pop these links on the Facebook page, along with the Thousand Eyes video that Tamazin spoke about. It's not for the faint of heart, but I do think you should check it out, especially if you're a meat eater. This is the last episode in the first season of the Human Ordinary podcast. I'm taking a break over summer and will then be getting to work on the second season of Stories. I hope to be back in May 2017. Please like the Facebook page to keep up to date with what's happening. The Human Ordinary Podcast is produced in Melbourne by me, Sam Lloyd. Theme music is by The Contortionist Handbook and all other original music is by Kent Sutherland. Check out the website, humanordinary.com, for more information on the stories. As always, if you liked what you heard, please leave a rating or a review on iTunes or just tell a friend to have a listen. Until next time, thanks for listening. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.